The following is Nature of Business with Chrissy Coughlin in association with GreenBiz.com. Welcome back. This is Nature of Business, and I'm your host, Chrissy Coughlin. And we just had a wonderful conversation with Bob Eldridge of Nashua Better Buildings, and we're thrilled to be partnered with them. They're doing some wonderful, wonderful things. Now we have with us Todd Hines. He is the CEO of XL Hybrids. And XL Hybrids is a Boston-based company that uh, is essentially converting, um, green, f- creating green fleets through a hybrid conversion me- uh, method. And we're excited to learn about what they are up to, which is quite a bit. Welcome, Todd. How are you? I'm doing well, Chrissy. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Trying to get through the rainy Wednesday, but you uh, know, same here. Yeah. Same here. Well, well, thank thank you very much for having me on the show. My pleasure. My pleasure. Well, I'm excited for our audience to to learn more about what you are doing. Tell our audience a little bit more about about XL Hybrids. Uh, sure. XL Hybrids is a startup company based in the Boston area. Uh, been around for about two and a half years. And we are designing a hybrid system for commercial fleet vehicles. Uh, The founding team is out of MIT, as well as about half the company. Uh, And this hybrid system is really focused on commercial fleets, uh, where people that uh, drive a lot of miles, uh, urban traffic. uh, And it's a system that can be installed uh, on both uh, existing vehicles, so that would be the conversion opportunity you mentioned, but, but also new vehicles. We're having a lot of customers that are interested uh, and adding this as an option uh, to their commercial uh, van when they're making that purchase. And, um, you know, the benefits for the, the customer uh, is really around the fuel savings and making that a cost-effective solution for them. So we want to make this a good economic uh, decision when they're, um, uh, you know, when they're buying their vehicles. So to me, it seems this seems like a win-win. You started. You did a pilot with limousines, and now you're moving on to fleets. Why did you actually start with the uh, town car, the Lincoln Town Car, and and talk to us a little bit about that? It's sort of intriguing. I, I picture big black limousines going around Boston or New Hampshire, and and why did you choose those types of cars? It's a good question. I mean, our business is really focused on saving fuel for customers, and uh, if, if you're building a business around that, you want to start with customers that have a big fuel bill per vehicle. Um, and the town car market provided a great opportunity to do that. We had customers that were driving 60 to even 100,000 miles per year, wow. uh, so very extreme uh, vehicle usage. So it was a really good uh, experience for us to you know, actually get out there with customers and uh, put some systems on the road, get a lot of data, get a lot of feedback. Um, and you know, we, we took that uh, learning process and really... Uh, iterated on our on our design to hone in on what we saw as a, the, you know, the, the most scalable system, and that that the biggest market is the uh, for us at least is the uh, uh, commercial van uh, market, kind of class what's called class one to class three. Uh, these are vehicles that are you know service vehicles driving around, um, uh, making deliveries, performing uh, uh, installations, uh, uh, services to various. Uh, you know, various large companies that are out there. You imagine, you know, airport shuttles as well fall into that, that consideration. But, um, you know, so going after customers that had a big fuel bill, that's why we launched um, uh, in, in the uh, Lincoln uh, town car market, but uh, uh, really wanted to uh, uh, hone in on our large market, and that's that's the commercial van space. So how how was that received? Were, 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 
obviously the pilot was was pivotal and 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 moving forward with the green fleet um pilot do you have a pilot coming up i I think i read something that you're doing something in january 2012 is that true we are yes we're launching with a commercial van system uh beginning of next year january february time frame uh and and that is with uh you know some large you know national fleets actually i I can't uh disclose the actual customers at this point but um you know it is uh uh, you know a fleet that has a lot of uh vehicles uh you know on the order of thousands of vehicles uh, and, and it's been very well received. Um, they, they actually see us as a great, uh, a great option. Um, actually, compared to some diesel vehicles that are on the market, mm-hmm. um, you know, as, as commercial fleets are assessing their options for reducing fuel consumption, uh, reducing emissions, um, you know, one option is, is are, are some uh, diesel vehicles, uh, and those actually come at a pretty high premium, uh, anywhere from eight to ten thousand uh, dollars premium compared to a, a gasoline version. Um, so we're actually able to provide those customers with uh, a more, you know, the kind of diesel level performance in terms of torque because we are adding a, uh, an electric motor into the drive line. We're actually providing more power uh, to using that uh, really for efficiency purposes. So they're getting, you know, some benefits in terms of reduced fuel consumption compared to a gasoline version and then uh, diesel level performance at a lower cost. So are these vans and, and vehicles that, that you're converting uh, these are vehicles that have already been uh, manufactured, okay. and there, okay. there, there are two kind of categories that we're targeting. Um, you know, one is uh, vehicles that are already on the road with these commercial fleets, uh, and again, some of these fleets have thousands of vehicles, and, and typically you see a useful life. It's, it's much different than the consumer market. I mean, the useful life is about 250,000 miles. Um, customers, if they're owning the vehicle for the whole the whole life, will keep them for uh, for 10 years in some cases. Uh, we've seen more as well or longer. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a benefit for those uh, uh, fleets in that they can reduce their fuel consumption for, you know, not all of the vehicles in their fleet, but a, but a good portion of them without having to rely on, on, the, on the fleet turnover. Um, but where we're seeing more interest from customers is actually on, on new vehicles or, or, or vehicles um, that, uh, where they would get what's called an upfit. And this is actually something that is quite common in the commercial uh, vehicle industry where you see, you know, utility trucks that have, you know, bucket trucks on them. You know, those weren't, you know, the, the, the main chassis, the main vehicle was built by, you know, a GM or a Ford. Uh, but then an upfitter would add the custom components onto the vehicle uh, in what's called a ship-through fashion. So from the factory at, at the OEM to an upfitter where they would install the, the customized components. And that could be you know, everything from a bucket truck down to, you know, custom shelving or, or, or tools for the, uh, for the fleet. Um, so we can fit in very well with the existing uh, fleet vehicle modification uh, industry, which is actually already, you know, in place. Mm-hmm. So is your commercial goal then it, to actually get at these cars before they're manufactured and install your, your system? Uh, we would want this to be an option, uh, really, really an option for any commercial uh, fleet purchaser when they're making their decision. And we want it to be the best one. We want it to be the most cost-effective solution for them. Um, we, we technically you know, can work with different fuel sources. So if someone wanted a, a natural gas vehicle or even a diesel with even better fuel, fuel savings, uh, this system can, can be in, integrated into those as well. We're starting with the um, uh, gasoline engine because that's the most, uh, most common for our market. Um, and, uh, and I think that also provides, as I mentioned before, some of the benefits um, uh, that you can get with a diesel. 
Uh, and maybe I'll, I'll get into the technology a little bit more around how that works. That's what I was going to um, say. I was going to let, let's talk right. about what this this because I've saw, I've seen a picture and it sort of looks. I guess it's been described as like a tuba or a bugle. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to describe it, I guess. But um, what we're doing is in, uh, integrating an electric motor into the drive line uh, after the transmission and the drive. So it's it's called a post transmission parallel hybrid system, and that electric mm-hmm. motor can. Uh, helps slow the vehicle down. It acts as a generator to, to store electricity. Uh, so when you would normally be braking, this, this does a portion of that and, and does the equivalent of engine braking or if you can envision a standard downshifting and applying a, uh, a torque to the driveline to slow the vehicle down. That energy, the energy created in that process is then stored in electric uh, electric battery, um, which we can then control when the vehicle is accelerating so that the uh, electric motor provides uh, a significant portion of the power back into the vehicle, so the uh, the engine does not does not have to work as hard. Uh, and and with the right customer operating in an ur- uh, urban suburban environment, um, they can see about twenty percent fuel savings with that type of system. So how does this differ from? I mean, obviously we see a lot of hybrids on the road. How how does this system differ from, let's say, a, uh, a Ford? I drive a Ford Escape, for instance, a Ford Escape hybrid or a Prius. How how is your system different from what's actually being installed in GM and Ford cars and the like, and Toyota, whatever have you. Sure, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, you know, at a high level, most of the OEM hybrids are designed for the consumer market, which does have much different uh, demands, uh, and are, are really geared towards you know a high as high an MPG as possible. You know, for marketing and um, and, and that's that's proven well to work well for the leaders in the hybrid space. Um, something to keep in mind is those those while those those are fully integrated systems, so the OEM can make other uh, modifications during the design process from the beginning. Um, that has, you know, a lot of positives from the engineering perspective. Um, but those vehicles are also designed to meet a, a wide range of uses, you know, and are typically, um, you know, as I mentioned, focused on the highest MPG and are, you know, kind of for the generic market. Um, we really designed our system for commercial vehicle applications, uh, people that are carrying around a lot of weight a lot of stop and go, and we focus on providing the best economics for that customer, so the best uh, IRR, the best payback. Um, and and to, to illustrate that a little bit, we're, um, you know, we're taking a van that you know, might get 10 miles per gallon and, and getting up to, let's say, 12 and a half. Now, that doesn't sound like a big jump in MPG, um, but it actually saves, about as, it saves the same amount of fuel as if you took a vehicle from 33 miles per gallon to 100 miles per gallon. Wow. So, so it's it's basically really focusing on the economics, um, and then uh, another big difference is that the system can be rapidly integrated into um, different uh, different vehicles with the same type of driveline. As I mentioned, you know, for the vehicles that are already on the road, even I mean, you can do this installation in half a day uh, with, with standard with standard um, uh, auto shop tools uh, designed to be uh, you know easily integrated into the existing uh, uh, vehicle, which is a big difference from the, um, from the OEMs. Uh, and then finally, the level of customization that we can provide uh, around how the, the control system operates with uh, commercial fleet applications. I, mean, I mentioned uh, we're targeting people that are operating a, a specific drive profile. So we actually offer a level of uh, fleet audit, a level of service where we can do a fleet audit for the, for the customer. Uh, assess how they're driving their vehicle and make sure that they're putting it in the right place and getting the, the best value for the product. Mm-hmm. Um, so if a customer has, call it 100 vehicles, and, and, and half of their fleet is, is driving a lot of highway miles, we'll, we'll, we'll show them specifically, 
you know, here, here are the vehicles where you'll get the best economic payback. How are you, how are you reaching your customers? How are you actually letting them know you're out there and, and, and convincing them that this is in their best interest to do, to convert their cars and their fleets? Uh, so we're taking a very uh, direct approach in terms of marketing. We have a team internally, uh, Justin Ashton, our VP of business development, uh, myself and, and then Bob Sandry as well, uh, who reach out directly to commercial fleet operators um, and uh, uh, walk through our, our value proposition with them. Um, and, um, you know, that's proven to be very, uh, very helpful. It's a very uh, kind of complicated new concept. It's not, not really out there at any scale yet. Uh, and we've received uh, a lot of interest from, um, you know, some of the major, you know, largest fleets in the country. So um, we were we were asking during the break, um, having a little discussion here about um, working with uh, r- rental car and uh, enterprises, such as like you know maybe even a Zipcar or a or a an Alamo, just to, to somehow differentiate the them and to also provide you more exposure and uh, name recognition. Is that something you guys have been thinking about? Um, you're hitting on a, a really big category of our market, which is uh, through leasing companies, and some of the uh, uh, rental companies also have leasing businesses. Uh, and so that is a, that is a way for us to uh, uh, get into the hands of a lot of customers. Um, mm-hmm. Also fits well with uh, a customers' you know uh, way of paying for paying for the vehicle essentially through a uh, monthly lease instead of a upfront payment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we do think a significant portion of our sales will be uh, through a leased offering or a financed offering. Uh, in terms of vehicle. Uh, you mentioned Zipcar. I mean, they, they don't really have the types of vehicles um, that we're targeting, and, and they're typically smaller uh, consumer vehicles. Um, so, so again, we're really targeting customers that are using uh, these, these, you know, 8,000-pound, you know, vans, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and there are a number of large uh, uh, rental companies that, that, are, that are in that area, and that's, you know, more for commercial or moving app, uh, applications. So mm-hmm. those would fall under... Are you finding that your customers are driven by mainly the cost savings that you're presenting them, or the the actual environmental benefits, or or both? Uh, definitely both. It really depends on the on the customer. There's a clear uh, need and interest in reducing uh, fuel consumption uh, and emissions. Some many of these large fleets have corporate goals: a 15% reduction, 20% reduction by by 2020 kind of targets. Um, and we fit nicely into that uh, uh, corporate goal uh, as, a, as a solution that, that's cost-effective. Uh, something that we've heard uh, from from some fleets is, you know, they're willing to take uh, anything that at least costs the, the same or less than what they're currently doing. And our goal is definitely to come in uh, less than what they're currently uh, what they're currently doing. But uh, they're willing to take essentially a break-even uh, over the life of the vehicle in some cases. Okay, so let's let's talk about the, the some of the facts that um, that you present on your website: twenty percent reduction in urban fuel consumption, twenty percent reduction in CO two emissions, no impact to fleet operations, rapid conversion. This all sounds terrific, and we touched a little bit upon what what the cost of conversion will be. Talk a little bit more about the timeline and the cost. Um, so the timeline would be, you know, our really piloting the system through 2012. Uh, we'll do a, a 
you know, kind of six-month pilots. We'll do a couple of the uh, iterations and expand over time. Um, and, and then the cost will be under uh, $8,000. We're starting uh, with pilots, uh, you know, at 10000 but uh, we, we do uh, plan on launching commercial products under $8,000. Mm-hmm. What's, what's, what's the payback? Sorry. What's the payback time? For the customers, what's what? When do they actually? Um, when does the parity exist? When they, when uh, with regard to the the, the investment of let's say ten thousand dollars, when are they getting that money back in savings? Right. Well, you know, the, you know, pilots is a, is a different case, but at under eight thousand, uh, you know, our target customer that's driving in the right profile, uh, will will get between a, a three to five year payback mm. uh, if they were to buy the same van under normal. Uh, if, that, if they find the same van as their as their option, as I mentioned, some customers are looking at buying uh, more expensive van uh, or or even larger engines than, than what's in our van, and so that reduces the upfront cost uh, in the extreme case to to uh, cheaper. So there's, there's basically a better option from day one. Um, you know, so there's more value in it than, than just the fuel savings. That's a big driver for it. Uh, but uh, in terms of straight economics, we're targeting you know less than five year paybacks, which is received a good uh, uh, response from the industry. Mm-hmm. That's that's impressive. So let's let's switch gears a little bit and talk about you. Uh, how did you get involved in this? And I know you're an MIT grad and and uh, a Boston native. Um, was this what, was this your brainchild? Did you work with a team? How did you come up with this concept? Uh, well, everything everything is definitely a team effort. Um, but but I was um, uh, you know when I was at MIT as an undergrad. It's really the uh, kind of dot com uh, craze, and there's a lot of great startups going on. I had some had some fun experience there, but I didn't really want to do that as a career. Uh, in about 2001 timeframe, I really focused in on energy as being the challenge of my generation, and um, actually started a company when I graduated MIT that provided consulting and engineering uh, for distributed power generation, and that worked with a range of different technologies. Uh, and and in that process, I Quickly focused in on wind power. Uh, you know, having looked at solar, fuel cells, co-generation, a kind of range of different technologies, uh, and then uh, was in the wind development business for about six or seven years. Got to see that grow from about a five hundred million dollar market in the U.S. to fifteen billion in very short order, and was really a, a lot of fun to be, be in that industry during that time. Um, but I, I really had that entrepreneurial bug and wanted to get back into uh, startup, and you know, I really saw that. Um, you know, if you have the right position, um, when when those types of growth the industry pops occur, you know, growth spurts in types of industries, you can really make a make a huge difference. And, and, and saw that uh, you know our reliance on oil uh, for transportation is really the most immediate and and one of the challenging more challenging problems in energy, um, where there where there could be a great a great opportunity to make a make a big impact and, and then a lot of money in the process and. Um, you know, saw the battery cost, uh, the technology improving, cost coming down, and really, if you put together the right technology and, and put it in the right hands of the right customer, it could be a good economic proposition. I think that's what's needed to drive, uh, you know, meaningful meaningful change. Uh, you have to make the economics work, and it has to be something that's scalable. Um, and, and what's critical in that process uh, is really starting, starting with the customer uh, and building a robust supply chain. And that was where, uh, I, you know, Brought on uh, two co-founders, uh, helped build the company. Uh, Justin uh, really wanted to focus on the uh, business side, and that's uh, MIT. Uh, and, and then uh, Clay Seeger, who's our director of supply chain, uh, 
critical in terms of building up the supply chain, which is a key piece of our uh, our technology. Mm-hmm. And then I noticed, I noticed last month you um, you brought on Richard Canny um, on your board of directors, who's a former Ford exec and electric car expert. What what is this um, addition? What do you what do you foresee his 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 advisor uh, capacity to help you help take Excel to the next step? Well, he's one of the few people that, that's taken uh, an alternative vehicle system, electric drive system, to market at scale. He, brought, he helped to uh, go from zero to sixty million in revenue. Um, so, so he has uh, definitely a, a, a rare mix of experience in the industry. Uh, combine that with a tremendous level of insight uh, into the overall automotive industry. Very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, you know, he's really a great member of the team and helps us. Uh, uh, build our uh, presence and connections in, in Detroit. Uh, you know, we definitely uh, want to be complementary and, and, uh, to Detroit, and, and, and essentially leverage uh, uh, resources uh, out there as well. You know, definitely look at hiring people and uh, maybe even expanding out there in the future. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Richard helps us, uh, uh, you know, expand our automotive presence or our staff presence in the automotive industry, uh, and is really a, a critical member of our of our team. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about clean tech and, um, you know, clean tech. There's a clean tech cluster in Boston, and there's no denying that. There's a lot going on. But there's also this sort of dark cloud that won't go away, particularly with what's gone on with Solyndra. Um, yet you've seen, you've seen success, and you have been able to raise a significant amount of money. Um, what is your, what's the secret sauce there? Um, I think a big part of it is, is positioning. Um, you know, if you look at uh, where, where there maybe is doom and gloom, I mean, uh, you know, a lot of it's in the in the TV market. You mentioned Solyndra, you know, companies like uh, Evergreen. You know, there, there's clearly a shakeout. Uh, this has been going on for a number of years, um, and, and that and that was driven by a couple of things. I mean, re- reduction in incentives uh, in Europe really drove down demand, and, and that happened at the same time as China aggressively. You know, jumped into the industry. So you had a significant pressure, downward pressure, uh, on, on the uh, price of, of, uh, of TV. Uh, you know, where I think the you know top fifteen suppliers could meet the bulk of demand at one point, mm-hmm. and it's hundreds. So, you know, a lesson there is that if you're relying on uh, incentives because the technology is not cost effective, um, that's going to be uh, a big risk for, for companies, especially if you have long periods of time to get your technology to market. Um, so I would, I would expect continued uh, shakeout in the TV market. Uh, and then other, you know, other clean tech companies that are in, uh, in electricity generation in general, it's, it's very challenging now because natural gas prices are extremely low, and that's a major, major price setter for, um, uh, for uh, electricity. And you know, that was actually one of the big reasons that wind took off in, in early 2000s. Time frame in the early 2000s in West Texas, that the price of natural gas went so high that, that wind became a good alternative solution. Um, you know, we're still seeing oil at 100 bucks a barrel, uh, and, and the economy's dragging. Imagine what you know what's going to happen if the economy kicks off. So I think you know we're focused in on on a, an opportunity that isn't 100 percent reliant on incentives. And clearly, we've benefited from the investment uh, you know in battery technology, but uh, we can we can make this work uh, without huge incentives. Uh, so that that's a big, uh, I think, a big piece of it. Um, you know, I also think we're all we're in, in the uh, kind of intersection of some of the world's largest industries, transportation, uh, fuel, you know, and eventually the, the, the electric grid. I mean, uh, we, we can 
that a, a plug plug in version of our system you know in a few years down the road uh, and, and that's uh, that's something that's, that creates a lot of opportunities and it's pretty exciting for uh, for investors. That's great. So I've got one more question for you, and we're going to have to wrap up. I want to, um, sure. if I get you on the show next year, let's say about this time, where 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 do you think we're going to see XL hybrids? <laughs> Good question. Um, you know, I would say we'll be moving from our pilot phase to our full commercial launch. So we would be, you know, shifting from selling tens of systems uh, towards uh, hundreds and uh, even thousands in the next uh, couple of years. So, um, you know, that that means really having nailed down our supply chain, our installation uh, uh, partners and channels, uh, and then obviously the you know, some of the leading fleets in the country that are going to be testing our technology. We're definitely uh, hoping to build up follow-up orders there and, and really uh, be in a position to grow. It's exciting. It's exciting. I'm glad. It's a good, I feel like it's very timely um, that we're having you on the show because there's a lot of exciting stuff that is, um, well, already has happened, but it's certainly going to happen in 2012. So I appreciate your time, Todd. And uh, look forward to having you back uh, on the show in the future. Well, thank you very much, Christy, and, and all the best. Okay, thanks. Bye. The proceeding has been Nature of Business with Chrissy Coughlin in association with GreenBiz.com.